ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, folks. We are back. Another week brings another episode your way. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my two amazing co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm tired, but I'm happy to be talking sports. So well, that's a different answer from last week. You you had a good answer last week, so <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I'd go back to the normal. You know, okay, go back to the recording. Okay, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't like fun. How are you too much? Good, good, chilling. Um, <clears throat> back in Ottawa for a little bit, so uh, we'll go from there. Nice. It's like that was a drive out there, man. Uh, clear. Like clear as day. It was like one degree the whole way, and it was just a, a very smooth drive. It took a while because there's traffic because trucks suck, but um damn trucks. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know you need your Amazon packages delivered. What are we gonna do? Well, you can't goes. you can't go out and get them yourself. No, exactly. Most Although let you go out and actually get things themselves. <laughs> you have to sit on the side. Ottawa's up and running, eh? Like we apparently there's like three movie theaters opening today, and I'm like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, why? So Ottawa's in its own little orange bubble of life. So I, hate, I hate to break the like you know burst the bubble, but we're going back into another lockdown in April. We are, but what I've what I've understood from everyone in Ottawa is like Toronto's the problem and not Ottawa. And I'm like, guys, I believe that's the, the uh, that's the definition across the province is that everyone thinks uh, Toronto's the problem. Wasn't Ottawa like the highest percent like, at a certain point? Like, they, like they I think so. Like, I think people are forgetting that population sizes are different, and so they're comparing numbers like that. They're like, "Oh, they're we comparing have comparing total numbers." Yeah, yeah, they're fifty to one hundred and fifty. It's like, okay, but compare how many popul the people live in your city, and then do an incident rate. Anyway, that's stats, and people are dumb, and I, I refuse to argue with them. Well, we're a sports show here. We we live on stats, Irfan. Come on. <laughs> I meant like health stats. I'm not going to argue with health sciences people on this. Politics. We'll just, yeah. Maybe we should just, we we have something on politics and sports, don't we, eh, boys? (laughs) Wow, way to ruin the show already. Giving it away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do have a lot to talk about. A little bit of soccer, a little bit of hockey coming your way, folks. Let's jump right into the kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And boys, let's start in the NHL this week. Let's start last weekend. Lake Tahoe, beautiful scenery, beautiful event. The sun didn't really want to play <laughs> its part in the event. Um, I ended up pushing the Saturday game to uh, midnight, midnight. Yeah. on the East Coast, 9 o'clock local time, which is not that bad. But 
midnight here. I thought they actually handled the whole situation really well. I mean, there was supposed to be cloud coverage. That's what weather was saying. So they were going to be okay. Clouds didn't cover. They dealt with it. I, I don't know about you, Kyle, but w- w- I thought it was actually held, handled the right way. Uh, yeah, it was handled the right way. But like, whose bright idea was it to have a, a you know, sunny day? Not even sunny day, but just where they were, Lake Tahoe. Like, people were on boats, like 150 feet away from them. It was like, it's one of those like you really didn't expect the ice to be, you know, not great condition when there's boats floating in the water right beside you. It's just, it's one of those things where the idea is great and it's the execution ended up being bad, but they recovered well with with pushing it back to to midnight and then having the second game later on in the evening as well. So, to the way they handled it, it was great. It looked beautiful. It looked great. Um, the quality of games were actually pretty good as well. So. Um, that definitely benefits compared to you know some of the other outdoor games where it may not be exactly the greatest game, um, but it was overall it was a good weekend. Yeah, I agree, and I think the biggest thing was that the sun was only melting the parts of the ice that were over, like paint underneath, right? Mm-hmm. So like the blue line, the red lines, the logo in the middle—that was the only part that was actually affected. The rest of the ice was fine. It was just because those parts were absorbing more uh, sunlight. Uh, Irfan, what were your thoughts on the Tahoe games? Um, like every outdoor game, I think we'll run into that issue with the sun and the weather, but I think, like you guys said, I really liked how they handled it. I really enjoyed the midnight late night game. It looked so cool with the trees around and the water very calm and, um, it was good hockey. Like it was against two teams, um, in both the games so four teams in total that are playoff bound teams. I think in our opinions, they're, they're four very good teams. They they're complete teams and it was really fun to watch Vegas and Colorado go at it. And I, and I hope that's a playoff matchup soon. Cause that was fun. I really did enjoy that game. And obviously the scenery, like I said, helped. It was great. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that that McKinnon goal is only his fourth of the year. I feel like he's been playing so well that we just assume mm-hmm. he's putting goals in. He's, he's mm-hmm. getting a lot of assists this year, which is great. Uh, but it was it, it was you guys were right. The games were well played games. I think Boston took control uh, of the second game, but that Colorado Vegas one was tight from start to finish. Like there was mm-hmm. no point where either team really controlled a big portion of the game. It was like a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there, five minutes here, five minutes there, sort of thing. There wasn't one team dominating most of the game, and then the other team yeah. just got a couple lucky goals. It was it was good hockey. Yeah, under interesting circumstances the scenery was incredible mm-hmm. both days like even you go from the daytime and period one of the first game to the night view that's just incredible scenes there and then the night as the sun was setting on the second day just beautiful mm-hmm. i loved it i i, I think, I, think they I think they should do that for the future is play later games in like uh, cities like like or areas like lake tahoe and just have at it because it was what the most watched game uh one of them one of the two games i think it was the boston flyers game but um like it comes down to location and i think that that helps a lot well and so justin and i were talking off off the podcast Uh and um (laughs) we think that obviously they should choose different places but they should choose like remote areas of the world um and just like have a game just like straight up have a game in like you know bizarre areas and advertise them and and show them on tv right yes like the whole no fans thing it's going to continue for a little while so like 
at, at a certain point, why not have like games all over the place and just have them in different countries, different areas, like obviously have them being able to permit a, a rank and like support it. But yeah, of course. But like that could be a, a great thing, just going all over the world and just playing different hockey games. So. Well, we we talked about it on Twenty Minutes on Ice, me and Ryan, and I said like they, they talked about Lake Louise. Like Lake Louise was supposed to be the original location of this game. Like that's where they wanted to go. They couldn't go for some reason. I don't know why exactly. So can't remember off the top of my head. No, they're gonna go there now after after the success of this game. Now weather played a factor, but it was still a success. I think for many reasons they got people there. Imagine a normal year. Right where fans would be technically permitted, don't worry about the fans. Go to Lake Louise. Do it on the slopes, right? And just make the entire weekend an event at the Lake Mm -hmm. Louise uh, ski hills, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you sell so much merchandise. The merchandise sales alone will cover the amount of fans that you would get into putting Mm up uh, temporary stands. So don't worry about them. They're going to come around anyway. Mm -hmm. Like People see a rink, they're going to come and watch. So it's not like you're going to lose that much. You're just going to get so much sales from other things, right? So do it. Enjoy the no fans aspect of it and just have fun with it. There's no need to have fans at these kind of locations. So yeah, go to weird places. Like go up to Nunavut maybe, right? On the, on Baffin Island. That would be sick. 100%. Mm-hmm. Go to Alaska. Have a game up in Alaska. Right? Yeah. Yeah, once so we can travel between Canada and the U.S., yeah, absolutely. I think that's well, why Lake Louise was the issue. Even, you, just, you just used U.S. teams to go to Alaska. Yeah, yeah you use U.S. teams to Alaska, Canadian teams on Baffin Island. Like, Sick, have fun yeah. I toss I toss Whistler in there too with the ski slope. When you mentioned that, oh, yeah. great image. I think it'd be beautiful. Oh yeah, it's it's just it's a great idea, and I think if they can if they can utilize this concept of okay, we don't have to worry about packing fans into the big house, right? Like that was the big, that was the big thing for all these outdoor games before is that they had to find a stadium that could hold enough fans to make it worth the money. You just put on one with no fans. Arguably one of your most, more successful ones as well. Exactly. Like why don't worry about the fans necessarily because the fans are going to watch one way or another. They will find a way to watch the game, Mm -hmm. but turn it into an event with wherever you're going. If you're going to Lake Louise at the ski hill, turn it into an event with the ski hill. Have concerts in the village, right? Yeah. That people have to pay to go to. Have and then just make it uh, a absolute sales rally, basically of merchandise and food, and just get make, all make, of the make profit it like there. A state fair type thing. Exactly. Like everything you could possibly have is have in that area. Yeah, exactly. So that, I think that would be the way to go for these outdoor games, and don't have eight a year. Yeah, honestly, we can only hope that they they do, you know, change their way that they're doing it right now. But go one or two at most. There's no need for eight. All right, let's let's jump onto some more NHL news because it actually was a pretty busy week this week. Um, Let's start in the North Division and close Julian. While the Canadians have been doing, I would say, decently well this year, not great, not horrible. Gets fired. Kind of came out of left field for me, Kyle. I don't know what your opinion is on this, but was this a surprise? Um, you know, the firing, sure, I guess it's not, it wasn't really something that, you know, was expected, I guess. But um, with how they've been struggling recently, I, I think it was one of those it, they had to change, you know, change their voice in the, in the locker room or, or whatever it may be. So, um, especially because, like, this, this is the year – where they actually have a true 
chance to compete, right? With all the divisions changing and all that kind of stuff, like this is the year for them to do it because, you know, the North division doesn't have the strongest goaltending, right? So if you, if you can keep the pucks out of your net, then you have a great chance to win on any given night is the biggest, biggest thing. And Montreal has not had the greatest time of keeping pucks out of the net, let alone their, their scoring kind of dried up a little bit comparatively. So I think the biggest thing for this is he, he's been in and out for so long with that team. I think they just needed a fresh face and a fresh start. And, yeah. and, and maybe necessarily, maybe a younger, a younger face and younger start to try and, you know, put a jolt into this team. So I think I, it surprises me, but it doesn't at the same time. That's fair. I, I think, as you said, like the timing of the firing kind of just is a little odd, but at the same time, it's, it's Claude Julian. He gets fired and hired by the Montreal Canadiens every, uh, what, every, every other year almost. <laughs> uh, Irfan, what, what did you make of it? Um, <clears throat> caught me off guard a hundred percent. I mean, we've seen Montreal the last five seasons start off strong. Like they've been lights out. Like they always, what at one point they're like eight, one and two, or sorry, that doesn't add up to 10, eight, one and one or, or, or nine, oh, and two. Like they, they just start off hot every year for the last five years and then they sort of falter. So I'm surprised that, you know, Mark Bergevin sort of made this firing because two things, um, he's on the hot seat now. So I think he would be the next guy to go. And and another thing, it's just, you know, your team starts hot, but sort of tapers down. So why not just give it a chance to sort of feel out the season? I mean, this is the same guy that these, that this Montreal Canadiens team was like, oh, like he was sick. We're going to support him. This is for Claude. We're going to go and win the game. So like, it's a little different in my opinion, or like just the way they approach the situation. I think I would have just let Claude finish off the season and, and see how it's because teams are have hot starts and cold starts. And like Kyle said, this division's goaltending is by far average and and so i say you wait for carrie price or jake allen to get hot and then it's gonna change like I, i'm i don't know like i i think the mindset uh, of the organization just doesn't make sense and bergervan just let's let's light another lamp under him because he's next and, and and if he's not then i'll be like then there's something going on in, in montreal land there's some uh, underhanded deals being made if he's still there. <laughs> it's like, I'm French. You guys can't fire me. It's like, okay, but there's a bunch of bilingual people you can get. Anyway, that's a different story. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to look at some of the stats for Montreal. Um, at home, they're awful. At the Bell Center, they're 3-5-0 and on the season. And a couple of those wins were barely sneak-out wins. Like, they don't, they don't play well at home. But they're 6-1-4 and on the road. So they were they were almost able to win 10 out of their 11 games on the road because four of them went to overtime or shootout, which means they were in all of those games. Yeah. Maybe they just need a streak of away games or something. <laughs> At this point. They need to play Vancouver like six times more. and <laughs> They can't play out. Ottawa, though. That's the problem. They are not good against Ottawa. In their last four games, they're, they've lost three of them. Two of them were in overtime. But they've lost three mm. out of the last four games against Ottawa now. Well, it's because Ottawa's become that team that's pesky to, to, to play now. They, they've kind of... Ottawa's playing you know, very well right now, too. They, well, it's not... They, they've kind of, honestly, for lack of other words, they've figured their shit out, basically, yeah. uh, on how to be, like, a pesky team. They're not, they're not going to be a good team. They're not a good team, straight up. But they'll be a pesky team that will fight and be that thorn in your side and just you know, make you win a game 4-3 or make you win a game 2-1 in overtime or whatever it may be. 
they're they're going to make it a pain in the ass for you really is what it's going to be and you know montreal and the leafs both have problems with that that type of thing so it's 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 nice to see because it's a change change of pace from them getting smacked eight one or seven one or whatever ends up being. smacked so, around the first ten games of the year. And, and like Montreal got off to a seven one and two start, and yeah. they won two out of their last eight. So, I honestly I think it also a combination is the shortened season too. I, I think Bergeron mentioned that that one of the reasons was they needed a new voice and it was the shortened season. So it's like, if he's going to make a move, now's the time to do it. Yeah. Cause we're you, just, we're just over a quarter of the way through the year, like a normal year. We're 20, 23 games in at a at the quarter mark. The quarter mark in this season is 16 or 18 games or something. We're yeah, past so, that. We are well past that. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot of teams that are well past that. Like there's some, obviously like the, uh, like, you know, Colorado's division that, just kind of shut down for about a week and a half. So yeah, like they're, they're a little bit behind. They're just at the quarter like, mark pretty much. But like you look at the North division, like some of the, like the Leafs have 22 games. Oilers are like 23 games, I think, or something like that. And it's like, uh, Leafs are 21. Oilers are 22. Okay, Vancouver's 24. Yeah. So it's like, they're well on their way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, it's, it's just, it's going to be an interesting uh, rest of the season for Montreal with, because right now they have Dominique Ducharme uh, mm-hmm. as the interim head coach. Uh, he's obviously French speaking. Does he become full time if they do well, or is he <laughs> just if, or is he truly just an interim coach? If he does well with the youngsters, I think he'll keep them around just because of that pedigree of him, you know, coaching the juniors and and coaching junior teams. Um, I think maybe if they're looking towards the future, because they do have a, they have some up and coming talent and they have some good young players. So I think if you're looking for a voice that's good with the young kids, then I think Dominic Deschamps makes sense. But if they're looking for some over the long run, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> you got to speak French. That's on your resume. Yeah. That's the problem is that they will only hire a bilingual coach. Right. So that lim- that limits the pool. It's not necessarily a problem. I shouldn't say it that way, but it limits the pool. Right. Yeah. And listen, I'm all for, the uh, French speaking coach in Montreal. I have no problem with it. But when you've had two coaches go flip flop back and forth for the last bunch of years, there's a problem in that situation. <laughs> yeah. And you haven't won shit since. Yeah. Yeah. There might be a problem. Do you, do they consider Patrick Waugh as a coach? I mean, he has experience in Colorado. He speaks French. I'm just saying. I'm just no. saying. It could be. Would no. Patrick Waugh want to go there? No. That's Probably the, that's the thing. <laughs> Waugh won't want to coach in Montreal after everything that happened during. Oh, exactly. I mean, I'm just oh. thinking French here. Oh, I was just saying, after the whole Montreal fiasco, like you really think he wants to go back there? He, he's barely forgiving the organization for that. He's not going to go coach for them. I, I, I do agree he would be a good option, I think. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what Ducharme does because I think, you know, a fresh voice, a young voice in that locker room, um, there's a chance he does succeed. But what does succeed mean for them? I think that's the biggest question, right? Is it Stanley Cup? I would sure as hell hope not because that ain't happening. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not not with this squad right now, not as it but, is. But but playoffs potentially winning a round is that is that success? I would I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I would I say so. winning a round and getting to the division final. Yeah, uh, and, 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 like unless they finish fourth and they have to go up against Toronto, like that's a different. That's a whole, whole, whole totally different beast. Depends on how they finish the season. I think right. To, to me, I would love a Montreal Toronto division like division yeah, series. I do that would be. 
Because because you know it's not going to be as lopsided as you look at the standings. It's not going to be like that. Like, no, it's, it's going to be, be close. Close. It's going to be have back to back games. It's going to be interesting for sure. What about how how great would these two series be? Like possibility wise, Toronto Ottawa in the first round as the one and four. If Ottawa sneaks in, just because Toronto notoriously struggles against Ottawa, that would just be so much fast skating, fun hockey, lots of goals. Mm-hmm. And then Montreal, Edmonton, McDavid versus Price. My ideal would be Toronto, Montreal, yeah. Edmonton, Calgary. Well, yeah, that would be because the obvious ideal. I'm just saying how fun yeah. would those two series be? Oh, 100%. Like, it'd be like – and honestly, like, you go down to, like, you could have a Toronto, Edmonton, but, like, to me, like, that's now trending towards the second round of, of that it is kind of how it seems to be going. Uh, you know, Matthews, McDavid, that kind of stuff, right? Um, who steps up for Edmonton to be the the uh, the goaltender, right? Who's Koskinen or or Smith? Who ends up being that one, and and so on and so forth. And I think that really leads the conversation. Who's the better team? I think, and and that you know, a, a seven game series out of that would be definitely one to watch. Can we also take in the fact that I don't know if anyone would have said this before the season. Toronto might have the best defensive structure in the North Division. Yeah, that is a very scary thought. Considering I think we were all worried about the defensive structure of the Leafs going into the year. So to yeah. be honest, out of any year, this was the year I wasn't as worried. Like, well, no, but I mean, like, if if you were going to question something on the Leafs going into the season, it oh, was the sure. defensive structure, sure. right? Well, that was, you know, was their uh, hole. I would have said depth is the biggest problem. Defensive depth, or no, just depth in general. Because <laughs> like. I, I, I'm sorry, Bear Bonoff, he's looked good the last couple of games. There's other people step up. Yeah. Jimmy VC looks absolutely horrible. He was like, good for like two games at the beginning of the year. And then, yeah, because he was playing on the second line with Tavares. It's like, you kind of should look good for at least the first little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, you don't, you don't belong there. Yeah. You, you suck. <laughs> yeah. So like, to me, like bring up Robertson, bring up, Honestly, give Joey Anderson a chance. That, that's my biggest thing. But yeah. Yeah. no, I agree. But that means they have depth. Like that. That's where I, when you said depth, I was kind of confused. Like they have players that could step into this lineup. Like I, I mean, more like top end depth. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. About. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, boys. We're gonna take a quick break. That'll do it for our kickoff segment. Uh, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. We will take a quick break and we'll continue our NHL conversation right after this. Hey guys, I'm Gabe Ferraro. And I'm Logan Lockhart from Between the Uprights on the Garage Door Sports Network. We cover everything football from NFL, CFL, and all off-season storylines. We make our weekly picks during the season and cover every headline in the off-season. Check us out on the shows tab at garagedoorsports.com for our weekly episodes. We are back. Boys, let's continue talking some NHL here. And two stories kind of coming out of the state of New York. And I will throw it out to you guys where you want to start. Are we talking Sabres first or are we talking Rangers? Rangers. Rangers. Let's go Rangers. All right. So 
Story comes out last weekend. Artemi Panarin is stepping away from the team. Now, we could talk about this one until we're blue in the face, but there's still so much information that we don't know. So we're going to I'm going to cover it briefly and we'll move on to more of the implications of it. But basically, there is a story coming out of Russia that he assaulted a young girl uh, when he was playing there in 2011. It was 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, From his former coach. Now, this coach is notoriously uh, pro Putin and Panarin has voiced his support for the uh, opposition. Uh, so there's some there's some stories coming out that it might not it might be just because he was anti-Putin that this story came out. It looks like all of his former teammates don't believe it's true. He has decided to step away from the team to help protect his family and to try to get focus off. We could talk about that. We're actually going to talk about the implications of this on the Rangers and their season as a whole. Now, before he stepped away, the Rangers were struggling. They were not playing well. They're at the bottom of their division. I think a couple points up at that point, if any, on the Devils, Mm -hmm. who are also awful, (laughs) and the Sabres. Mm -hmm. Since then, they have won three games and are playing decently well. I am wondering now, do you guys think that this was the kickstart to the Rangers trying to finding an identity in that Eastern division or I'm going to start with you. Uh, do you think that's the case? I mean, I think it's, it's all hands on deck at the moment. Cause you just realized that you lost someone who can get you 60 plus points a, a season or more. Right. So I like the fact that this team is young. Like we've mentioned it multiple times. This is a young team with some experience, a little bit of experience here and there, but I like the fact that they've done this all hands on deck. It's like, you know, Lafayette realizes that, all right, we've lost our best player and he's going out to to play better games. Like he had a good, a good pass last night for that. uh, One of the Ranger goals. And then um, the goaltending is like, okay, well, we might not be able to score four goals a game now. So let's dial it down and let's play a better let me try and make a bigger safe now. Let me try and um, put myself out there. So I think they're realizing, like I said, that they, they just don't have that scoring touch. And, and with that, one of your leaders and voices in the locker room, it's like, we got to just, we got to play what the Sens are doing is like, try and be pesky and try and just play a game and and then see if you can come out on top. And they've come out on top in three straight games. Uh, three of four. They lost one. Three of four. Um, yeah. But yeah, Kyle, uh, do you agree with Irfan? Is this all hands on deck mentality the reason that they're playing well, or is it something else? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it's. I think it's one of those. You know, uh, they're probably supporting their their teammate, obviously, and they're, they're just like, "Hey, let's go play hockey. Let's do our thing." You know, the best thing for us is to keep a winning tradition right going, and 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 keep playing the best hockey we can to not distract anything from the from the team. Right? They've already had a couple distractions. I was with D'Angelo earlier in the year. And then you have this thing. So like their team is kind of a shit show if you really want to talk about it. Um, but also the big key for them right now is goaltending stepping up. That's the biggest key, right? Mm-hmm. Goaltending in the early, earlier in the year was absolutely terrible. Shostorkin was terrible. Gorgia was terrible. Now they're both stepping up and, you know, they're making 30 plus saves if they have to, or, you know, they're, they're giving up one or two goals on like 25 shots, depending on what it is. So it's definitely a benefit there. That's that. That was the biggest thing that was um, was missing for sure. I think the 
the next step for them because they're really not out of the basement of that division. They have 18 no. games played. They're two games from being in the bottom or two points from being in the bottom. And Buffalo has one game in hand on them and New Jersey has like three or four because New Jersey just didn't play at all, basically. They, they, have, three, they so, have three games in hand. Yeah, that helps. So, so it's one of those like, to me, the next step is Zabinijet has to start scoring. Yeah, and, and I think that's the that's their next step is who steps in for Panarin right now to collective effort. But I think one person has to kind of separate from the pack and be that leader. And you know what? It's gonna be. It possibly could be Zibby, right? But what if it's Lafreniere? What if this is Lafreniere's? This is what kickstarts him. Okay, we need somebody to step up. Here's your shot, kid. Like, take it and run with mm-hmm. it because we think this is the kind of player that you're going to turn into. They want him to be a top-line player. Well, top-line role just just opened up. Mm-hmm. Prove that you deserve it. Take it. I know it's your rookie season, so they're not expecting him to light the world on fire, right? Well, go prove that you belong on the top line. Play some really good games. And you know what? If they can string a few wins together, right? Let's say Panera comes back in three, four weeks. Because he hasn't left the country. Let's make that very clear. It's not like he's going back to Russia. Yeah, he's, he's living in Connecticut, Connecticut right now. Right? He's living with his family in Connecticut, but they just wanted to get away from the spotlight and just protect each other at that point. Like, there, were, there was death threats on his life coming from Russia. So, <laughs> he's protecting his family. Three, four weeks from now, if everything kind of settles down and they get things sorted out, he comes back. They're, they've won a few games, and they're actually in a playoff hunt. You know he's gonna come back hungry. Another weapon you're adding to a team that's on fire. Like that's the mentality that they must be having right now. And after everything that they've gone through this year with the whole Tony D'Angelo saga, as you mentioned, Kyle, that was a mess, and that messed up the team. Let's make that very clear. That that messed up the team because that's a mental thing that you don't want in the locker room. To go from that to this, where one of your best players who wants to play and wants to be there had tasked to take a step away from the team, you know those guys are like, okay, we're going to play. We're going to try to get as many wins as possible until this guy comes back. And then when he comes back, we're going to keep winning. Like that has to be the mentality that you have right now. Absolutely. And you know what? Maybe that's why Gorgiev's playing a little bit better the last couple of weeks because he it's Gorgiev and Panarin were pretty close by the sounds of it yep. in that locker room. That helps. That helps a goalie mentally 100%. If they have a reason to play a little bit better, like – Absolutely. They're going to. Let's flip over to the other New York State team here. And uh, the Buffalo Sabres are doing Buffalo Sabre-like things again. (laughs) The Jeff Skinner uh, story is kind of just comedy at this point, boys. (laughs) Irf on your – you look a little uh, bored with it. But, I mean, it's just hilarious. No, no, no. I'm just just saying we we call this like they paid him too much money. They – like he just had one show me season um, and he's just back to, you know, not playing well. And I mean, that also comes down to, you know, Taylor Hall also not playing well um, and, and just not getting points. And like Buffalo was supposed to trend the other way, not just decide to stay in the basement and hope for a first round pick. That's just not going to help them. They just need to move in a different direction, especially when you've tossed so much money to young players or players that you think are going to be there. And um uh, I think the Buffalo Sabres just need to figure their shit out. And I mean, 
we say this every year, but like we always have positive hopes for them because it's like, well, this is the year that they could have at least fought for a playoff spot because we thought, you know, Pittsburgh's on the downward trend. Um, the Devils weren't going to be good. We didn't know what to expect from the Isles. And now you just have, you know, Sabres going, well, we'll take the last place spot because we like it down here. Like, that's just yeah. what it seems like right now. This is safe. We like it here. This, this is, is safe. safe. We might get a top three pick. Okay. That <laughs> might be a bust. We don't know. Well, but especially with the juniors not playing, who knows what's going to happen with the top picks, right? Like, nah. yeah. what's going to happen with that? But this was also hold on out of every year for this pandemic to affect the draft, this is probably the one draft that's going to be the most affected by it. Because, did anyone have any idea who the number one overall pick going into this year was going to be? No, nope. no, which is probably a good thing for draft well, it's purposes it's also because, because Bob McKenzie retired too. That's a whole different thing, but you know. Well, he wasn't the prospect guy. It's uh, Craig oh, Buttons. He, Craig what? Buttons, the prospect guy. Yeah, I don't trust a word Craig Button says. But I'm just, that's, I'm just that's saying. Bob McKenzie doesn't no. put out his draft thing until like a week and a half before. The yeah, draft. and it's usually the one that you trust. <laughs> it's the one you trust. No, I agree. But I'm saying, he like, usually hits 22 out of 30 prospects. That I know, but too. what I'm saying is like we normally know who the first overall pick is well sure. in advance, or at least the top two. We know who the top two is. Think about like all the way back, Tyler Taylor. Uh, yeah. McDavid, Eichel, Matthews, Line, uh, even last year it was Lafreniere and Byfield. Like, we knew who the top two picks were going to be. Stutz look kind of snuck in and almost pipped that second spot, but he ended up going third anyway. We know who the top picks are going to be. Mm. Do you know who the top pick is going to be this year? Or the top two or top three? Like, off the top of my head, I don't. I know there's uh, the one kid from, um, I think it's the Czech Republic who did really well in the world juniors, but. I didn't think. I think this is the year one. where first round picks are just going to get tossed around like gumballs because it's like we don't know what's going to happen. So here, take a first. <laughs> it's valuable. Yeah. To be honest, a lot of the players that are going to get drafted are going to be either U.S. college mm-hmm. or U.S. development or overseas because mm-hmm. scouts can actually watch them play. They can they can see what's going on, you know. And a lot of the Canadian Canadian kids could suffer because of that because you know. Yes, they have talent, but who knows if they're going to develop or what's going to go on. They've lost a year of their now development, like so on and so forth, right? So it's it's going to be that thing. But yeah. going back to Buffalo, um, oh, sorry. Uh, the, the top guy is the, the defenseman from Michigan, by the way. It's Owen okay. Power, I think is what his name is. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like a six foot four, like stud of a defenseman, basically. Right. Um, Hey, Buffalo needs defense. Okay, sorry. Well, Buffalo <laughs> well, needs no, everything. No, well, fun. So, so actually, that leads perfectly into my point. Um, Jeff Skinner has one point on the season. Yep, in fourteen games. Jack Eichel has two goals total. That and, surprises me a little bit. And Taylor Hall has one goal total. Yeah. So I said last week. Yeah. Was... You're paying them a combined what? Do you need me to do your math? Twenty-six plus million dollars. Right, they're paying him twenty-six plus million dollars to score three goals, and that's it between three players. Yeah, divided by three. There you go, eight million dollars per goal. We're we're on a track. Yeah, as you say, that they're they're chilling. You're good. (laughs) Yeah, but the one difference between the three of them is that Hall and Eichel are playing eighteen to twenty-two minutes per game, and Skinner, at the end of his little run there, was playing seven. Yeah, now, did, did he deserve seven? Probably the way he was playing. Mm-hmm. But is he good? I thought what they were going to do at the beginning of the season was they were going to put Hall and Eichel together on the top line, and they were going to have Skinner and Stahl on the second line. 
and bring them back to their Carolina days where they had success together because they knew each other. Right. They didn't. They started Skinner on the fourth line, mm-hmm. which right there, you know, there's going to be problems because the fourth line gets out six or seven minutes a game. 100%. Yeah. Right. That's not really fair to him. If you want him to be a goal scorer, you can't put him on the fourth line. No, but at the same time, you can't you can't justify putting him on the first line if he's not. Producing I'm not saying he should have been first line. I'm saying you put him with someone who makes him comfortable, which would have been Stall because they have the history of being on the same line together. Fair. I think Buffalo didn't handle the situation well and didn't give this guy the right opportunities to try to succeed this year. Now, has he done well with what he's been given? Absolutely not. He's played terrible this year. He doesn't deserve the top line minutes, and he doesn't really deserve second line minutes the way he's been playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But had he started on the second line with Stahl, we're probably having a different conversation right now. I'm not saying he's lighting the world sure. on fire, mm-hmm. but we're having a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where oh. I think the Sabres in and of itself are have just messed up this whole situation from the get-go this year. And maybe it's because Kruger doesn't like Skinner. There might be a... Conflict. Oh, Kruger said he doesn't have a doghouse. I don't know what you're saying, man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say he was a doghouse. I said he sorry, just doesn't sorry, like sorry, him. Sorry. A coach <laughs> playing favorites? No. Oh, that happens? I didn't know that. It could just be that, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know I don't know what it is, and I don't know how to – we're obviously not inside the locker room, so it's, we can't say, but that could be the issue. And 100%. at that point, then you need to move him. No one's going to take him for the money, so you're either going to have to eat or take a crappy contract back. Mm-hmm. And that's your only situation at this point because Skinner probably is good enough to play on a, on an NHL team. Can we can we agree with Correct. that? He's probably yeah. good enough to play on an NHL team. Correct. Yes. So he should be playing in some capacity, but he won't be Correct. playing in Buffalo. It won't happen. Biggest problem: nine million dollars. No, I agree. The contract is awful, mm-hmm. and it's it's not going to get moved straight up. You're going to either have to take a crappy contract back. Or you're going to have to give up prospects with him to, yeah. for somebody mm-hmm. to take him. Pretty much. That's that's the situation. And they put there's always a team. Situation. There's always and, a team looking to get to the, the the floor. So I mean, you can always dangle it there. But again, you're going to have to toss in those picks and and prospects. Like, so I, I would agree with that. But the biggest problem is uh, term. That's the biggest problem. Yep. Right, because he has like four or five more years at nine million dollars. Right. So it's like, yes, like a a bad team taking on a contract. Yes. But usually that's for like one or two years. He has six left. Okay. So six years left at $9 million. If I'm a team, like, I don't know how I can justify doing that. And like, even then, like a lot of the teams still won't take him, even if Buffalo retains half. Yeah. And like, you're taking half, that's four and a half million dollars. Can you imagine like, like the Phil Kessel thing, like with the Leafs, right? They they retained one point two million dollars for God knows how long. This and is the I last year, right? I think the thing either this year or next year, one or the other. But either way, like, can you imagine four and a half million dollars if we had to like retain half the money on him just to like get him out the door? Like Buffalo's screwed for years to come. That's the oh, biggest yeah. problem. But we so. knew that when we knew that when they signed the contract, oh, this was a conversation you and yeah. me had, Kyle. <laughs> well, to be honest, it was one of those. I, I was hoping that he would be like the goal scorer that that you know Eichel needed, right? Have him on the wing, like you know, pot. I would. I didn't, wasn't expecting him to put forty goals in in, in no. that. Like that was just 
excessive, but you know, 25 to 30, hundred percent. Like I could have seen that easily, but. But he's, he's a notorious 20 goal scorer. Like let's not forget when he was in Carolina, he actually put up a couple seasons where he had 20 goals. Right. But he was also hurt a lot in Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he could have been an easy 20 to 30 goal scorer every year if, but there was no need to sign him to a $9 million contract. I guarantee every other contract he was getting offered from other teams mm-hmm. was probably in the 5 to $6 million range. Like $9 million was excessive. Yeah, but Buffalo ends up being that team that always has to overpay to keep anyone to stay with them. Yeah. So that, that plays a massive factor. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. So. So. We'll, we'll continue to watch this. Maybe he ends up being a buyout candidate at some point. That's a lot of money to buy out, damn it. Yeah, but it, you only get charged a third of the salary against your cap, and then you mm-hmm. pay it out over twice as long as the remainder of the contract. So if it's... Yeah, no, no, I get that. I'm just saying that's just a lot of money to pay out, you know? Yeah, it would be, th- it would be a $3 million cap hit for... I mean, basically, if they bought him on the bench, year, anyways. Yeah, if they bought him out this year, it'd be a three million dollar cap hit for the next twelve years. Mm-hmm. Like a guaranteed three million on your con- on your cap hit. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna take another quick break. After this, we will come back with some soccer talk here on Garage Door Sports. Hey everyone, this is Irfan Manju from Touchline Thoughts. We are an all-soccer podcast hosted by yours truly with guests every episode. We provide news, analysis, and opinions every episode as well. Touchline Thoughts is powered by the Garage Door Sports Network, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher. Cheers. Irfan, we're getting into your territory now, my friend. A little (laughs) footy soccer talk and the big conversation right now. Champs League and Europa League, my man. And we mm-hmm. had the Champions League first legs of the round of 16 the last two weeks. Uh, some very interesting matches. Uh, I know you talked about it with Josh on uh, the last episode of Touchline Thoughts, which is really cool. But Europa League also had their uh, round of 16 or 32. I always get this wrong. 16 draws. Uh, 32 was draw. Yeah. Yeah. The round of 16 draw uh, happened this past week. So we know who everyone's playing. Um, let's start with. Champions League, though. Let's get to the results from leg one, and I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you run the show here, my friend. Go for it. Sure. Do we want to go back from last week? Yeah, we might as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. All right. So PSG won four one over Barcelona. Liverpool beat Leipzig two nil. Uh, on the next day, Porto beat Juve two one. Borussia Dortmund beat Sevilla three two. Like any surprises, boys, out of that one? Essentially, oh, Porto. Yeah, Porto would be the only one that would be the surprise. And and you went backwards. You went Wednesday to Tuesday. Come on, man. Did I? Oh, my bad. I thought <laughs> I went Tuesday. I, th- I thought I went Tuesday. Wednesday. I went Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, said, I'm, looking, he, sorry, he no, said, I'm, I'm looking at the second legs. They flipped the days. So that's my fault. No. Okay. Uh, and this past week, uh, Atletico Madrid lost 1-0 to Chelsea. And Bayern thumped Lazio 4-1. And then the next and the last day, Real Madrid beat a 10-man Atlanta 1-0. And Man City just absolutely dominated the entire game against Gladbach. So, that's the first legs. That's the first legs. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, the big surprise on those second set of games was the Chelsea game. But... Mm-hmm. At the same time, you could also say Real Madrid winning 1-0 was a bit of a surprise. I actually thought they didn't deserve to win that game. 
No, well, yeah. especially when there's a red card in the 17th minute yeah. and they score in the 86th minute to win one nothing. Like that's listen. The way it looked was they wanted that nil nil draw going back home, which is like ridiculous. You, the more away goals you get, the easier your, your tie at home will be. I don't know. Romans is just a mess. They just don't look good. Every player that's left their club on loan or or, or been bought out has played better than they did for their parent club. So, um that team's on a decline and so is Barcelona. So, I mean, that PSG Barcelona game was ridiculous as well. Um, yeah, that was, that was an unfortunate draw though for Barca. I think, I think if they had gone up against Alasio or somebody else, they might've had an easier time, but they got one of the top probably three teams in the world right now, the way they're playing and, yeah. it, and it showed, right? So it's not they're a surprise healthy. to me. They're what? healthy. They're healthy. Yeah. That too. That's the biggest thing. It's like PSG before, like, like when they were in that, the man you group, right? We were talking about them. The reason why they weren't doing better is because they literally had like half their team was injured. Yeah. So, mm. and, and now that they're healthy, they're they're showing who they truly can be. And I mean, they're still they're still without Neymar. They're still without Neymar and Di Maria. So they're not a hundred percent healthy. They just have young guys they're like healthier. Bappe and Moises Key. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're healthier. Healthy, and it, healthier. Yeah. Imagine, imagine when they get to full health. Like, <laughs> uh, I think they'll do worse, in my opinion. I, I think, I think, I really like Moises. Too many Keen cooks and, in the kitchen, sort of. Yeah, thing. I think that's what's gonna happen. Is you're gonna have obligation to play Neymar and Di Maria, and they're gonna fall flat at times. And then you're like, well, Moises Keen should be starting this game because he can actually counterattack whatever team they're playing. So, um, I think the team that's set right now, especially with the way Poch is coaching, I think that's probably the best team we're gonna see from PSG. As as a group, as a, as a, as a group, as a collective group, I mean that's probably in the minority of decisions, but um, I well, think Neymar and 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 Di Maria sway the dynamics of that team. That that game was good for them. And and to be honest, it's kind of just unfortunate for Barca that they're matching up with this team right now. That's yeah. that's honestly just straight up how it is. No, right. I don't think I actually don't think Barca is playing that bad in the Spanish league right now. I think they're actually playing pretty well. But you get you come up against a top team in Champions League, it's like. Oh, okay. That's what it felt like for years for other teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Chelsea game was also one that I wanted to talk about. A uh, new coach comes in and he is doing pretty well. Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel, whatever, however you pronounce his name. I always never. Great goal by Giroud. Oh my yeah. Lord. What a, what a finish. And, and to be honest, it was, that that was a game where like it, Chelsea seemed like as you said like with Real they were going for the draw on on the on the road like that's what well, that's that's a going. totally different scenario. Yeah. Chelsea yeah. was the underdog in this game. Like underdogs are supposed to go for the draw. Oh, 100%. Real wasn't supposed to be the underdog against Lazio and they were but going for a draw. What wasn't it was Atletico not missing people? They, uh, they looked biting, fine. They they, uh, they had most of their lineup. They had their players that they, they usually rely on anyways that were playing. It's just they couldn't break down a defensive structure, which we haven't seen for Chelsea in quite some time. They had a solid defensive structure. Everyone was behind the ball at the right time. Yep. And then they used their counterattacking speed, and then they finally get an opportunity, and they crack the goal. I mean, I'm surprised Atletico Madrid, a team that's been notoriously good defensively, just got out-defensed, if that's the word. They just they got out-defensed. They did. Well, I, I thought Chelsea yeah. played a better game, even though, you know, I you agree. would assume that from Diego Simeone. Well, and, and to be honest, it was one of those, like, Atletico is one of those teams where they're, they're pesky, right? Like, they'll, they'll beat you defensively and then counterattack and you know, all of a sudden... What they did to Liverpool last year, yeah. yeah. Exactly. All of a sudden, you're down one or two nothing, and it's, holy crap, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, as you said, like, it basically got flipped on their head 
in this game. Whereas Chelsea was like, all right, you know, show us what you got. And all of a sudden, all right. And then now we get a ball in the box and drew this like a bicycle kick. And it's like, okay, all right. That, that's how we'll take We're a goal. Content that way. Yeah. yeah. I think Atletico Madrid doesn't like the ball at their feet because clearly they just couldn't do anything with it. So I, I want to see it. That's, that's what I, I'm interested to see that, that second leg and see how things change accordingly. Right. Both Does sides. Because I, 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 th- I think Atletico has to come out more aggressive in the second in the second game, I think. And well, yeah, you have to because you're down <laughs> an away goal at this well, point. Well, yeah, but realistically, you get one away goal and just it almost evens out. But you have to be aggressive without, like, sac- like it's, it's, it's obviously the happy medium, like being aggressive without sacrificing your defense because you you've clearly seen that Chelsea can counterattack and score quickly. So yeah. it's, it'll be interesting. Yeah, Suarez back in back playing against you know Chelsea at home. I think that would be interesting as well. I think he likes playing in England. If it, if it ends up in England, I'm not sure if that's what their plan is. But as long uh, as it doesn't bite anybody, you're fine. Hey, listen, listen. If he does, it's a win because the betters will love it. It's <laughs> it's scheduled to be a Stanford. It yeah. looks like it looks like all the teams no. are playing at home in England. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, do you want to switch? Switch dynamics now and go to Europa Rufon, or is there anything else you wanted to mention about champions? Um, who from the first few legs games, uh, who's the best team? Do you guys think has the Porto, most realistic obviously. chance? <laughs> no realistic chance to actually win it all. Like, I mean, if you're talking about matchups and whatnot, I, I, I can never discount Bayern to be honest. I can mm-hmm. never, the top two for me are Bayern and PSG at this point. Really, you guys would not toss City into that mix? Say, City's third. I, I, mm. Like, see, those are the top three. Like, and depending yeah. depending on who shows up on what day, like any of those three could win. In, yeah, in, in no particular order, Bayern City, PSG. If I had to, I would probably say PSG is third right now, just because of not being fully healthy. But as Irfan mm-hmm. said, being fully healthy may not be best for him. But I would put PSG third for just for that reason. I probably have Bayern number one. Yeah, I mean, they are the defending champs. It's hard to discount them. But I think if you're looking at the matches they've played, City played the most complete game, which is ridiculously scary. But they yeah, also but they also up. played the easiest competition out of the three. Well, Gladbach, yeah. I mean, Gladbach's been great in the Bundesliga. They've been, and then they've they, been they, good, but they're still... Then they came out, out the against... Three. Yeah, no, 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 I get that. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying that like, Gladbach came out scared. Um, and you can't do that with City. And City was like, well, you're scared. We're going to we're gonna take you on. So... Um, I'm just talking like match wise, but yep. uh, PSG did definitely have the toughest matchup. Yeah. PSG had the toughest matchup. Bayern played a great game in their 4 1 uh, away win. And City dominated Mucin Gladbach. So, yeah, those three are going to be going to be deep runs in the in the Champions League. I, I have no doubt about that. And obviously, Porto is going to be the fourth team, right, guys? Obviously. Of course. Their of course. defensive structure was great. <laughs> Let's flip, let's flip gears now, and we'll go to the Europa League draw of uh, for this round of 16. And there's some interesting matchups. I'm going to read them all out. Uh, pick Each of you pick one that you want to talk about, and we'll, we'll go from there. But uh, starting off, we got Ajax versus Young Boys, Dinamo Kiev versus Villarreal, Roma versus Shakhtar Donetsk, Olympiacos versus Arsenal, Dinamo Zagreb versus Tottenham, Man United versus Milan, Slavia Praha versus Rangers and Granada versus Mould. Irfan, pick one. What are we talking about here, my friend? 
Um, I'm very curious with that Slavia Prague and Rangers matchup, just because I think it's completely off the board, but it's because I think uh, Steven Gerrard's Rangers have been ridiculously great this season. Like there's just, it was like a random stat that I read was like 40 plus wins in, in the last 50 games. Like it's crazy. The issue though, is that defensive structure against Antwerp was bad. Um, they just they were leaky in the back end. Um, obviously, we knew they could score because it's it's Gerard's creativity really forming into this team. But now you're playing a Slavia Prague team that took Leicester, I believe it was Leicester, right? Um, nil nil, then comes back to the King Power Stadium and scores two big goals. So I think Rangers will have to find a way to a score and keep the ball out. Like I mean, that's that's just the the model for everybody. But I, I'm I'm just curious to see if Rangers can keep the ball out of their net because you can't trade goals with this with this Slavia team. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and uh, it was it was Lester just to confirm you were you were correct. And if they if they decide to play a defensive game, which I'm going to assume is not Girard's specialty, especially in the oh. Scottish league, because they don't have to play defensive because they're good no. offensively in the in the league that they don't have, they don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to struggle against a super defensive counterattacking team in Slavia. Yeah. They know they know their they know their system. They know what they got to do, so they they're gonna take it and run with it. Of course, like you know, you you're gonna get guys like Kent and I mean Defoe's still there. You're gonna get guys that can score, but it it's it's comes down to that defense with um, uh, Dixon or or Davis or whatnot, and 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 just really trying to figure it out yeah. if they can actually stay. Oh, not defense. That was uh, Hallander. Sorry, is who it meant. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, Kyle, matchup you want to talk about, my friend. Yeah, to be honest, I'm glad I'm glad Irfan didn't say it because I, I thought it was going to immediately go there. Uh, Man U, EC Milan. Um, he took mine. Don't go last. Not my problem. Um, no, honestly, I'm interested to see. Like uh, leading into my you know my my tire fire later on in the in the show, I guess. But um, Zlatan comes back and faces a former club. Um, it's honestly. Man, you kind of got screwed with who they ended up facing, but yeah, uh, they did. <laughs> I, I honestly think it's going to be just a great matchup, both back and forth. And I expect this to be a lot closer of a matchup than people potentially could think it would end up being. So, um, like it, AC Milan kind of snuck by in the round last, uh, like last round. Um, but they're two heavyweights and they're going up against each other, and it'd be interesting to see. And you mentioned Zlatan going back to play against his former squad in United, where I don't think there's any hard feelings either way. So it'll be it'll be interesting, mm-hmm. for sure. He's gonna score. He's gonna score. Of course, he's gonna score. It's Zlatan. He's gonna score at least one goal in the two games. Like, he's gonna eat Maguire for dinner. I guess the game's at lunch, so he's gonna eat him at lunch for lunch. Like it's just ridiculous. He's he's played four games and hasn't scored yet. So. I know, but he's going up against United, so he's. Oh, I know, I know. It it equals he's going to score, and who knows? He might put Put on the money down now. He might put a show on, to be honest. Like he might just straight up like have like multiple goals potentially too. It depends on how United play. Like I think United have the ability to shut down this AC Milan team, just Mm -hmm. be just with ball position, but they don't play that game very often. Most of the time, United is a counterattacking team, which is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a counterattacking team. If you're good defensively, mm-hmm. <laughs> United is inconsistent defensively. So trying to be a counterattacking team doesn't always work. But we'll find out. We'll see how that plays out. A um, couple other matchups that 
our notable Ajax versus Young Boys will be a fun matchup for sure. And the other one that I want to talk about is Roma Shakhtar. Two Champions mm-hmm. League caliber teams that uh, fell out of Champions League. Shakhtar was obviously in that group with United in the Champions League round, Robin. They fell out because they were with Munchen Gladbach, PSG, and Shakhtar all in the same group. Erfan, don't look at me like that. Are you talking Champions League or Champions League? Yeah, Champions League. Champions League. Oh, you said United. I thought you, did you mean City? No, they were they were in the United group. United had PSG Young PSG. Boys. No, PSG young boys, Leipzig. Young boys. Sorry, P- PSG Leipzig and and um. No. It was we talking, we're talking cha- Yeah, it was Shakhtar Mönchengladbach. Uh, no, not in Champions League. Champions League, they had PSG Leipzig PSG? and. No, Munchen Gladbach was with PSG United and Shakhtar. No. No, it was Leipzig. It was Leipzig. Leipzig and, and, and PSG. And then the, the fourth team was The fourth team was Istanbul Bishekter's whatever that team was with Demba Bayern. The hell am I thinking Dude, about? Dude, you're you're missing like four years in one. But Shakhtar, yes, is a consistent Champions League performer. <laughs> yes, we'll go back to that. There you go. All right, I'm going to reset here. Um, but Shakhtar's <laughs> been playing really, really well as well. In, in their league, going into this round of 32, they played really well. They're coming into their own. Canadian boy out there. I know I got this right. Kyle Laren's been playing great for Shakhtar right now. Like, unbelievable. Er, trying to earn a spot on the Canadian national team and doing a damn good job of it <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> he wants to play alongside Jonathan David, Jonathan David and uh, Alfonso Davies. So we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, that'll do it, boys. So let's get into our tire fires. And we're going to bring it back. And we're going to have some fun with it. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> as he gets blinded I'm by this. blinded by the light right now. Like my shutter, <laughs> like my blinds are closed and it's still coming through. That's just astounding. Well, you, you get us started here, my friend. And we'll get you out of the sun as fast as possible. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, my, my tire fire is is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It's, it's a funny segue into that. But um, basically... With what I'm ripping into is is him criticizing LeBron for having a voice when it comes to politics and other uh, aspects other than sports. Essentially, is what it come, really comes down to. And um, we have discussed multiple times on this platform that you know the players are somebody that has to step up, have a voice, say things when you know say things when things aren't going right or the the wrong things are being said. And we've said multiple times, athletes have to be that person. And, and it has to be high-profile athletes. And basically, Zlatan is just a moron for saying this. Um, just straight up saying, like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't be in politics. You should stick, stick to what you know. It's like, uh, that's not what should happen. Kind of like, goes against everything that we've been mm-hmm. working for the last couple of years. Exactly. And, and it's one of those, like, you know, athletes are people, too. It isn't, they're not just athletes, and they don't just play sports, shut up, and go to the sidelines when they're done. No, like their lives they they're affected too and it's one of those like mm-hmm. they have a a stage to to make statements on they they more than they, they shouldn't be more than willing and wanting to do that and, and like they, they shouldn't be criticized for when they make a statement like it, it, it goes back to like today's society but nobody should be criticized for a statement they make unless it's like way out there i'm not saying that but like if, if a if a player makes a statement they shouldn't be like oh shut up go play your game no mm-hmm. No, you have the platform for it, right? Exactly. 
Yeah, so, and I think yeah. I think what you said there, Kyle, is an important important thing. Like, unless the statement is detrimental, yeah, to people, like that's that's when people and player, like people in general, but we're, we're talking players right now. That's when they need to really understand. Like, you can't make detrimental statements. Statements like we need to attack the where like this building, right? Because the people yeah. in it aren't good. That's a yeah. detrimental statement. You can't 100%. be making political statements like that. LeBron James isn't making political statements like that. Cristiano Ronaldo isn't making political statements like that. And Zlatan goes and says stuff like this. It's like, okay, you gotta give your head a shake there, my friend. Understand what they're saying. It's not, it's not politics. It's human. Well, it's because the conversation deflected from him and went to something else. Yeah, and that's that's the problem. I think the media needs to know you can't ask Zlatan about anything other than Zlatan or Zlatan's team. Understand that at this yep. point, because you're going to get answers like this. Pretty much, yeah. And I mean, so, it is. Yeah. So that, that that's my tire fire. So. That's your tire fire. That's a, that's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, Irfan. Uh, I'm going back to, I believe it was last night, uh, OKC versus the Atlanta Hawks in NBA action. Um uh, orange and red jerseys. I, I, I don't get it. It, it was, it was really hard to see the teams are differentiated the teams, which is, I know, it's just a funny tire fire. I think it's just like who the hell messed up another clerical error? You know, like, yeah. um, I know, this one. I know this one. <laughs> yes, Nick. It was the Hawks. Yeah, the Hawks didn't bring a second set of jerseys, which well, even, you would assume they would do. Even but better, uh, even better. They said they were wearing a different set of jerseys. Yeah. So the Hawks had a different set of jerseys on their schedule that they were supposed to wear. They didn't yeah. bring them. They wore their reds and forgot to bring another set of jerseys on the road. So they didn't have a second set to change into, which is normally what the away team is supposed to do. How do you forget I'm a glad, set of I'm glad the Thunder. Right? How do you forget a second set of jerseys? Uh, especially with COVID and everything. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad the Thunder came out with a statement and said it was the Hawks <laughs> wearing the incorrect uniform color. Well, I, I think the Hawks even said, yeah, we fucked up. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was a funny tire fire. You can't well, I, do that. It's because the home team chooses first, right? So OKC's like, yeah, we're wearing orange. And then Hawks are like, yeah, we're wearing red. We're like, wait. Well, no, they said they were wearing something else. Yeah. And then, there's, yeah. And then they forgot. <laughs> that is a huge tire fire 100%. and even better that it forced the thunder to switch jerseys at halftime mm-hmm. have you ever seen a team switch jerseys in the middle of a game <laughs> i mean we've seen it once or twice but not for this reason like no like the whole team switched jerseys not a player yeah i know yeah. <laughs> they had yeah, to come out in their white jerseys in the second half like anyway how messed up is that and the also are nice though how great of a highlight pack would that be? And how confusing to people who didn't know the story. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you're watching, like, wait, you're watching the highlights. Games? The person doesn't mention anything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the uh, team comes out and they're wearing a different. Game two. Just two it's, just, it's just like, wait, what? what? What's going on here? Oh, just <laughs> classic. Gotta love stuff like that. That's a good yeah. tire fire. That's a comedy tire fire at this point. Like, I, I don't know if it's going to win, but it's pretty funny or fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've always had serious ones. I thought I'd. Have a nice light. I mean, not always, but most of the time they're pretty serious. Most of the time we have a serious one, yeah. All right, I'm going back to something we've already talked about, so I don't have to say a whole lot about it, but the whole Jeff Skinner thing in Buffalo is a tire fire and a well-deserved tire fire. It's a mess. The fact that he's been scratched for three games and it will probably continue until unless Eichel is actually out for the next couple games, which we don't know yet. 
if Eichel's out, he probably draws back into the lineup. Yeah. Reluctantly, of course, but he probably has to be the one who draws back into the lineup. Just a mess of a situation. He got signed for too much, now won't play. They got to figure that out. The Jeff Skinner saga. I like the word saga, apparently, because I called it the D'Angelo saga. Now it's the Jeff Skinner saga. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's a long story, and uh, it's, a, it's a story. It's a story. It's mm-hmm. a story for sure. All right, boys, final thoughts for the week or fun. We'll start with you on this one. Um, Have a good week. I don't know. I, I did, sorry. I wasn't expecting me to go first. <laughs> All right, we'll come back to Irfan, apparently. No, 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 no. Have a good week, everyone. Stay safe. Um. Good luck to everyone who's hitting the last grind of their school or work just before the spring kind of kicks in. So good luck with that and, and stay safe. Kyle, hit it up. Yeah, everybody enjoy tax season. No. Tax season. Um, tax season. Tax season. <laughs> uh, no, my final thoughts. Thoughts and prayers are with Tiger Woods. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, freak car accident. Kind of just like they said nothing was at fault. To me, it seems like kind of like an animal ran across the road type thing. But we'll see. There has to be something at fault, I think. Well, they said be. they said no drugs. They said no alcohol. So, yes. like to but me, to there's me, something I mean, has to be at fault. <laughs> oh, 100%. And like it could just be like you know swerved off the road, fell asleep. Who knows what? what who knows what happens? But either way, um, survived very scary injuries potentially. Um, yeah. I don't know if we'll see him back on the golf course anytime soon, or even at all, to be honest. But yeah, it's, they're um, talking about it. Never him, never going to be able to play again. Like that's. Yeah. A, that's a possibility. The amount of surgeries he's had to the spine is just it's crazy. Oh, 100%. And like, you know, the, the biggest thing is I, I would love to still see him participate and do something, but um, maybe Champions point. League or Champions Tour. Yeah. yeah. And so, so thoughts and prayers with him and his family. Um, hopefully, a speedy recovery and everything goes well. But yeah. yeah. And I, I think someone, I can't remember who it was. I wish I could give credit for this, but one of the broadcasters uh, probably put it best this week and said, listen, thankfully we're not talking about kids who lost their father. Like yeah. this, that could have been the situation. That could have been the scenario that happened after this car crash. We could have been talking about his kids losing their father. Thankfully we are not. They did not lose their father. He, he survived. He, he's going to go through a lot of recovery but he still is there for them. So yeah. that's that's the best thing that can come out of this situation. At this point. To be honest, it could have been like a Kobe 2.0, which, you know, we don't want to talk about it like that, but it, it, it could, no, but it like, could have been, it could yeah. have been. That's like how that. close it yeah. was. 100%. And uh, that's, it's scary, but he seems to be, seems to be in good spirits. He seems to be on, ready for the recovery. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether or not we see him in golf again, I don't think it matters at this point. His career has been incredible. He's yep. cemented himself as one of, if not the best golfer to ever play uh, mm-hmm. the game. So he doesn't need to come back. If he does, that's great. That's, that's bonus on top of the cake at this point. Yep. Uh, how do I follow that up? Damn. Uh, <laughs> I was going to go on the same lines as Irfan and not go sports related. Um Right now, college, university students are going through midterms. It's tough, especially in the online world. I know the mental strain is uh, is a lot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Just reach out if you need anything. Find help if you are struggling with a, in a specific class. Ask ask classmates. Like, use the resources available because 
school is great, but it is not worth uh, ruining your own mental health over. It really isn't at this point. So be safe, have fun with it, get through them and uh, enjoy, enjoy life afterwards. <laughs> Cause let's be honest. No one enjoys midterms. <laughs> no, not at all. Right. Or fun. Mr. School. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, I, I just uh, TA'd uh, a midterm and we're like, so who's cheating? Like, I think that's where everyone's at. So um, just, just welcome do your online, test. Welcome to online. Yeah. Oh my God. Who's it's like, cheating? look at it. What? They're like, look at this person's eyes are moving side to side. It's like, yeah, but that's just their eyes. I don't know what to tell you. You have to read the screen. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Oh God. But oh. yeah. Reach out to profs and TAs. I, I think we're all, we all understand where you're at. So. Yeah, because you guys have been just as locked up as the students, right? Yeah. So that'll do it for this week's show. Make sure you follow us at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. If you're looking for us individually, it's at Kyle Vardy, at Irfan Manji, and at Nick McVicker for the three of us. Make sure you follow all our other shows as well. And make sure you check out the website, garagedoorsports.com, for any more information and articles. We're doing our best to get more information out to you as fast as possible. It's it's tough when you're not paying people. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But we're doing our best. So thank you for following us. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time.